Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajasad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I'll reiterate, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and we're pretty good friends, too. Isn't that right, Ben? Yes. It's a very accurate statement. Uh, Ben, while you're talking, why don't you take a moment and uh, tell our listeners where they can find all of your recent work. You can find my work at Motor Trend, at Car and Driver, at Inside Hook, and at Driving Line. And you can find my work at Autotrader.ca, Driving.ca, TechSpot, and Nouveau Magazine. Ben, we've got some uh, cars to talk about, which I don't think we've talked about them in a a long time. I'm going to start us off first because... I've got a new Volvo this week. It's called the Volvo XC60. And for 2022, they've made a couple of um, small changes with a bi- with big impacts. And the first of which is they've changed the trim name a little bit. Um, now, you used to remember Volvos for a very long time used to, used to classify themselves as T-something. Um, now they've changed that to B. And- Do you like Bs or Ts? I would just want to point out that there's absolutely no reason to make this change. This is one of those things where it feels like, you know, when someone new comes into leadership and they want to put their stamp on something, and this isn't just automotive, this is anywhere, and they make a change that uh, you you have to recognize, like it's something that, you know, you rename something or you put in a new procedure and everyone has to do it, but it doesn't actually affect how the company works or the products themselves. This I, I'm going to point out when Infinity went to naming everything Q for no reason and then at Cadillac all. Cadillac did it too. This is uh, Johan Dineshin syndrome. Yeah, so this kind of feels like a reflection of that. I don't see the need. It went from T5 to B6. Is that right, Sammy? Well, there's a B5 as well. B5 okay. Oh, well, that's yeah. that's not confusing at all. So I don't. It's just random consonants, same number, I guess. Now the um, the B and T even rhyme, Sammy. Pardon? Yeah, B and T, T. B and T even rhyme. B, yeah. T, B, T, E, V, G. All of these would have been acceptable to Volvo. Yes. Now, apparently the, the, the reason they changed it to Bs is to make it uh, – is to, is to make some sort of relation to its electrified powertrain getting a little bit of a beefier update. Um, it turns out Volvo really wants to push electrification. Um, and uh, while they have a plug-in version of the XC60, what I'm driving isn't a plug-in version, yet still has this B moniker because they've also improved the electrical system to a 48-volt um, unit. Now, this is something that we're seeing all across the, uh, the the automotive landscape, especially with European automakers, but I think some domestics are, have got it too, like the Ram, for example. Um, uses a 40 or actually FCA has a couple of vehicles with a 48 volt um, hybrid system. It's right? a really inexpensive way to say you've electrified a model. I think that's what it boils down to. Yeah, and it allows um, the automaker to uh, well allows the vehicle to get um, a couple of more advanced features. I think um, like air suspension usually ends up getting a little bit of an upgrade when you change to that 48 volt mild hybrid system. Well, and, and the auto start stop is usually smoother. Yeah, the auto start-stop is significantly better. So this car gets all of the benefits there. It still makes, um, I don't know, they tell me 295 um, horsepower. Other publications tell me, um, other Volvo publications tell me it makes something like 300 or 316. So let's just say about 300 horsepower from a turbocharged and supercharged motor. That's an electric supercharger now. 
Um, so turbocharged engine, electric supercharger, 295 horsepower, 310 pound-feet of torque, and an eight-speed transmission. So I want to know right off the bat, does it feel – does the B feel any different than the T did? Because I know you've driven the past XC60 not that long ago. Yeah, and I quite like um, – I will say like, the XC60 is a very um, – it's a competitive car, and I've always enjoyed it. But I think they have made some changes. I don't know if this has happened while I was sleeping or over the past few years since the last time I've driven one. But they made some changes that make them actually a little bit harder to recommend. And I don't think they've improved in the ways that they needed to. Did the T5, T6, B5, B6 need to be changed? Did that make any difference? I don't think so. However, the ride quality has been improved. I, I, my model does have four-corner air suspension. A feature that I cannot like change anything about. I can either make it... like firmer or not firm i think and that's it didn't you didn't you show me a picture of the screen that controls the air suspension and it had something like air suspension with like an on off toggle or yes. something like that yeah so let's talk about the, the next important part about the car is it's it's um interface it's user interface now you and i have complained about the previous one called census we said that a lot of the um you know you had to like um, swipe left or right from the main screen to get a, to a different set of options, some being like driving assist functions, some being um, dr- more car-oriented um, settings. That has gone away. Instead, you just have this one static screen with um, a bunch of buttons on it, kind of like a smartphone. So in order for me to get to driving settings, you have to go into car settings and then, you know, this driving settings like that. So two taps now instead of a swipe. And we still have these um, like small toggles that you have to click on in order to, to give the car whatever personality you want to through those drive mode settings. So, indeed, um, the car says drive mode, and then below it says off-road, and then you just click that on or off, which I think is really weird. Um, and then it's same thing with this air suspension. It says air suspension on or off. But how can it. you turn it off? It's always I, there. It, it can't disappear. I don't know, and nothing really changes when it is um, off. Like the car still rides, like it does, like it has suspension. That's so. really strange. That's yeah. an, an, like it's it's not only is it like it feels like a translation error, but <laughs> to, something so basic with the car. I mean, yeah. I, and then same thing. Uh, it says like steering feel firm on or off. Like that's it. Not like the 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 name of the the setting is firm. It's just, this is firm. Yes or no? Like, that's it. And it, you're right. It does seem like a tran- like something missed in translation or just, I don't know. It doesn't seem correct. It doesn't seem finalized, I guess. And I think that's a thing that I kind of feel about this car altogether. It, it, they have made some changes, and I don't know if they were necessary, and I don't think they improve it. So, again, going back to this new powertrain, this has um, this new electronic shifter. I think we've talked about this in the past, where you have to tap it twice to get it into drive or reverse because you have to push it into neutral for some stupid reason and then push it into the direction that you're going. It's really frustrating in in, in certain situations, particularly so where I live, I often, I have parking restrictions on one side of the street or the other, right? So depending on how I approach my street, it's a two-way street. I can't necessarily park on the same side where I'm driving. So I have to do U-turns. It's a fairly wide street, but the problem is doing a U-turn, it often ends up being a a three-point turn. So- Trying to go from f- f- drive to reverse and then back again, 
is difficult with the Volvo because it requires extra steps and you don't necessarily think of it. So you're in traffic, you're blocking traffic, you're trying to move your car, you're trying to time everything, and it just doesn't work out. And it's because when you're I notice, neutral instead of yeah, it's what I notice the most. It should be far more natural than this. Like I don't know, maybe you get used to. It. Obviously, you get used to it. The, the the owner will get used to it. But it is one of those. It's not like it's an obstacle to familiarity. Like it shouldn't need to be there, right? Yeah, it, uh, it's um, it, it's an affectation almost. And then the other parts of the vehicle that um, we've complained about the infotainment system. They have now changed it from being whatever it used to be before. I think it was called Census. Now it's running this Android Automotive OS, which is a completely new um, um, operating system, underlying operating system, that is based entirely on Android and asks you to sign in with your Google account in order to use um, various apps on the on the infotainment system, including like Spotify or like there's a whole google play store so now i haven't i haven't signed in because i don't know if i feel comfortable um i've had issues with android devices in the past where they are difficult to remove your account from um and i was worried that that could happen with this car it so. feels totally unnecessary to you shouldn't have to sign into your car to drive it it just doesn't make sense it's 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 an unusual um approach to vehicle ownership, and I understand they're like, oh, we can save your settings and your profile, but you could do that with a simple button like that's yeah. been done for in the past before. You can even set up multiple profiles on more complicated cars without requiring a sign-in. The other, I've driven this type of system, this Android Auto implementation in the Polestar, and I had instances where it, you know it relies on stuff like Google Maps for navigation, where it just didn't work. It stopped displaying. You had to reboot the whole car. It's it's not a very good or robust system at this point in its life. And when I'm driving, I just want stuff to work. I don't need it to be super cute. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now I I haven't had any crashes. Although it does really get like it has like a Hey Google kind of setting. You can talk to it. Um, and I'm 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 trying to figure out what the like advantage uh, the advantageous part of using Android Auto is. And somebody somewhere said that like eventually they can potentially um, once this app called Deezer updates for Android Automotive, you can get like lossless audio in your car um, through the through the Play Store, and therefore you can really enjoy the the upgraded sound system which is a $3,700 option you can already get lossless audio in your car through over a usb or you know like (laughs) it's not i don't need some app that sounds like i'm never i would never pay money for something called deezer but it's just that's a really long stretch to justify getting android auto and on all the weird stuff that comes with it Yes. And then, of course, um, i'm really disappointed because it doesn't have um like Android Auto, like the the sort of screen mirroring, you know, setting that we're all kind of used to now. It doesn't have that. You plug in your phone and nothing happens. Um, and also, as far as I understand, it doesn't have Apple CarPlay yet, which will really turn off um, some some uh, Apple users, right? Like, there's no integration of your phone. Last year's car had it, so. You know what I mean? Like I, I perceive. Great. I don't use Android Auto or I know Apple you CarPlay, don't. so I'm the wrong person to say whether that's going to stop someone from buying a car. I honestly think it has to be a small minority of people who care about that. I don't know. From what I've seen, a lot of people do seem to um, use it in these new cars. I mean, people and who I... are online probably talk about it, but you know what sure. I mean. I think that's a self-selecting group of car users. Okay. I mean, I think it. I think it's a pretty handy feature. 
Um, and I would be disappointed to see it not there. Um, another thing is the response for this um, touchscreen is really inconsistent. And I've sent you a video demonstrating it, and I'm trying to... I, I don't know how to articulate it because it makes me sound crazy. Some features of the of the infotainment system work perfect, I, especially like the climate control system. I hit the heated seats, bam, it changes it um, on the screen instantly. But when I need to change the heated steering wheel, which can toggle between three settings, it like, it takes a solid four, like two or three seconds to show the that it's registered my touch and changes the level of heating on that. It looks, it looks janky. It looks so janky and it shouldn't be in a vehicle that costs, um, well, a, a premium vehicle. Now this model in particular would cost, I would say $66,000 as, as equipped. And there's no room for error in that for that kind of uh, performance, I think. And and why not just make it a button that works when you push it? I mean, this is, again, we're getting, you know, if you're at the point where your fancy new car OS is interfering with basic functionality that doesn't even need to be in the OS, it's time to start unwrapping the onion and getting these features back to where they belong, which was hard buttons and toggles. And this is a, a shame because I think these small usability concerns detract from the overall vehicle, which I think is really good, really competent. Um, that motor is so much more powerful than it has any right to be. Like, it it may say, like, 300 horsepower. It feels great. Like, it really is responsive, and it delivers that power pretty deep. Pretty so is, does it feel different to drive than the previous car? I don't think so. Um, I don't think it's that dramatically different. Um, but as you mentioned, the automatic start-stop is much more, is much smoother. It's much quieter. It feels so much more refined than uh, than before. So I think that's a big improvement there. And fuel economy is pretty good too. It's it's like uh, I, I would say it's it's comparable to a usual turbo four, um, which is pretty good. So. Would you recommend someone, if they were right now in the market for, you know, there's a lot of reasons to buy the XC60. Don't get us wrong. I mean, we're complaining about this stuff, yeah. but um, would should they wait or should they get a 2021? Like, do you think it's worth waiting for 2022 or do you think getting a 2021 actually dodges some bullets? Yeah, I actually do think getting a 2021 might dodge some bullets. That, inf- I mean, the infotainment system is not, it's not better, but it's not worse. So... It's just different, and I don't think it's different for for you know in in in, a, in any better way. So I think that's something that is going to be judged um, personally. Um, but if you can save money getting a twenty twenty one, and I don't know if it has that tap tap shifter that like push it up twice shifter. I don't think the twenty twenty one has that. So that's also a little issue that gets resolved there. Um, but the performance aspect of the twenty twenty two that like refinement on the driving side of things. Is pretty good. So it really does depend on what you're looking forward to. If you want a little bit more of a better usability um, in your vehicle, I think maybe the 2021 might be it, um, while the 2022 kind of gets its kinks worked out. And there are updates for this car. In fact, I think it asked to update just when I when I turned it on today. So, And, and what would uh, you recommend, like, if in the face of these weird aspects of the XC60? I mean, what are some options that aren't from volvo in the same segment i think gv70 is probably the best we've talked about the gv70 several times um i think it is possibly the best um product in this class and i think the upcoming lexus nx is pretty impressive 
And I quite like the new BMW X3, which has gotten a facelift this year, which does the opposite of what the Volvo does. It improves in all of the areas that BMW wanted to improve or should have improved upon, which is um, usability and put they, they've cleaned up the, the, the cabin a little bit and made it a little bit more easier to use. Okay, well, I which is a sh- like I need to be clear. It's an attractive car. It, it like that motor is is a highlight, but these other things around it they they detract from the overall ex- experience. All right, the, the the vehicle that I wanted to talk about this week, I also had a not so great experience. I think actually maybe worse a worse vibe than what you had with the Volvo, and uh, that's the, the vehicle I had was the twenty twenty one. Prius Prime from Toyota. And I want to preface this by saying I generally like Toyota hybrids. I think they're quite well executed vehicles. They're great for what they are, which is often, you know, the quickest version of whatever vehicle you're driving. Thanks to the the extra power from the battery pack. Uh, They're usually very fuel efficient and there's no real downside to driving them. I mean, they're almost always vehicles that weren't super exciting to begin with so giving them a little bit more power kind of wakes them up and doesn't really impact your previous impression of that car so for the prius the prius has always been a hybrid everyone knows what the prius is the butt of a million jokes but the prime what makes it different sammy and we've never actually talked about it on the show uh this is our first prime is it comes with a it's a plug-in hybrid so it has a, a larger battery range than any other prius that's come before it and uh, that's the whole thing. That's the deal. It's like it's like a Prius, except this time you can plug it in. And on paper, it's, it's more Prius. It's more it. Prius. Well, no, it, I I would argue it's not more Prius, and I'll get what? to that because it, is it, it all wheel drive? Because it's an all wheel drive model too. Is this that? No, this is not that. And this what? is this is a Prius that has been given a, a bigger battery, and in a lot of ways, kind of ruins what makes the Prius cool. And part of that has to do with the temperatures I drove it in. And we've talked about this. Every single time we've had a a plug-in or a battery-powered vehicle, cold weather is the enemy of driving range. And there's some companies like Kia and Hyundai that do a very good job of preconditioning the battery and, you know, keeping the impact of, like, the extra cold temperatures around 20 or 30% maximum. And that's when it's very cold. And there's other companies like Volvo, actually, which I think is taking steps to improve its systems. Uh, that it's 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 as much as a forty percent drop when it's very cold. Now I had the Prius Prime during a week when I was hovering a few degrees above and a few degrees below freezing, so okay. not super cold, but definitely not ideal and not warm and the kind of conditions where you're going to be running the heater and the defroster and that kind of stuff. Right. Most of my issues with the Prius Prime have to do with the fact that it it's, it it advertises a twenty five mile driving range on a fully charged battery. And okay, which I, sounds okay. It, it sounds sound, fine. It's not brilliant, but it's not awful, right? No, like it's what you would expect to be able to use around town on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I want to do point out, though, that the Prius, the, the, the RAV4 Prime has a 42-mile range, I believe. So yeah, it's way more usable. It's a larger battery, so it's, um, it's more useful. But the Prius Prime battery, it's limited by space. There's only so much room in the Prius. And the Prius Prime actually loses a fair chunk of cargo space in the back because of the battery. I, I was surprised when I popped the hatch. Like, the load floor for the cargo deck is much higher. Oh. Yeah. And it almost feels like I wasn't going to have enough room for groceries. Like, that kind of thing. And the, Oh, the, man. The Prius is normally a pretty practical vehicle. So that was the first surprise. The second surprise, though, is that in the temperatures, Sammy, that I was driving it, I got maximum 10 miles from that battery. 
A 50% decrease? A 50% decrease. And I'm not driving. And, and this is in town, not on the highway. This was in town. Like, Where it should be at its best. I went on a, there's, I was, I, so I've started taking archery lessons. Not really relevant, but that's, you know, Why one. Not? I mean, I think it is relevant. I mean, archery is, you know, it's a very silent weapon. The Prius is a very silent car. I think there's a correlation there. Okay. Well, the other correlation, the reason I bring it up is because I, one evening stands out in particular, a friend and I drove from my place to the archery range and back, which is 15 kilometers, 16 kilometers, and it is roughly 10 miles. And okay. that that route involves going up and down this this kind of like a tiny mountain in the middle of Montreal called Mount Royal. The city's built around it, so I was able to like <laughs> scoot down this mountain and pick up a bunch of range while I was doing it. Um, and then on the way home, I went around the mountain. I didn't I didn't go over it uh, again. And uh, even doing all of that, by the time I got back to my, I'd started with a hundred percent charge. When I by the time I got back to my house, I was at six percent. And that really blew mm. my mind. Uh, 10 miles of range. And so I started experimenting with the car. I, the gym to my place is like maybe four kilometers. So like three miles there and back. I would come back with 70% battery, 68% battery, 65% battery. Just mm. from going that distance. And it, it, the, the hits keep coming. If I ever turned on the defrost, which is uh, – so the Prius has you know a standard heating controls but also has a defrost button for the front window and the back window. If I use the front window, it turns the blowers on max, instantly turns the engine on. You can't have the defrost on with just the battery. Okay. What, once the so that en- seems – like, so it stops becoming a Prius Prime at that point. It becomes a regular loud becomes a re- It becomes a regular Prius hybrid. Not even had- a Prius, a Corolla, essentially. Well, <laughs> like if that motor is trolling, is trolling a, a, a Prius. It becomes a Prius hybrid that's less efficient because it's heavier. Yeah. Point. So once the engine is on, you can't turn it off. It does not turn off. I mean, I was not able to get it to turn off again unless you turn the vehicle on and off. So there's all these buttons um, for drive modes like EV mode, EV auto, HVEV. Uh, all sorts of stuff like that to choose which EV mode you want. It doesn't matter. If the engine's on, pushing those buttons does nothing. <laughs> what, what? It's like, is it like the closed door button on an elevator? That is yeah, like, it's, it's not connected. Really... Every time the engine came on, I would pull over and turn the vehicle on and off because I was trying to... You're joking, though. No, like, I would because I was trying to test out the electric range and having the, en- the engine on doesn't do me any good. So I would turn it off and on and off and that's how I would get back into EV mode. Really frustrating. <laughs> Um, so you're telling me <laughs> so if anybody in Montreal witnessed this Prius Prime just pull over and turn on yeah. and off and get back into the into their lane fortunately pe- people are so used to Prius drivers making bad decisions on the road <laughs> that there was no flack for me doing this but uh, Interesting. it, it, that... it the, the heat was on when I was driving it heated heated seats were on and the lights were on and, and it was at nighttime and it, the windshield wipers were on but 50% of range is ridiculous yeah. So I really wanted to like this vehicle because I like the normal Prius. I couldn't like it. Uh, driving it around with the battery is great. I never really yeah. felt like I lacked power. Everything was fine. It's just that there was no range. And why would you pay extra for a feature you can barely use like six months out of the year? Absolutely. Depending on where you live. And I mean like like th- when you think about the Prius as a product, I think a lot of people were okay with it being kind of slow and dull and boring to drive because it executed on what it promised. And if this doesn't do that, that's aggravating. Like that actually is really frustrating that it just blows like the one thing it's good at um, and everything it's compromised to to 
do, which is improve good fuel efficiency and be kind of like just boring little hybrid, right? Yeah, but, and, and, and it gets 55 miles per gallon like in the city, so it's still. Did definitely. you get that? Did you get? I didn't use any like, fuel. Okay, I didn't use any fuel the week I had it. So you just, you literally turned it off every single time. Every single time, and I kept it charged regularly. Um, it, it actually charged fairly quickly. It told me so when I picked it up, it was at zero. So I did use a little bit of fuel to get it home from the fleet. But uh, when I got to my house, I plugged it into one standard one ten volt outlet, and it, and it popped up to tell me it would take six hours to charge. But it actually didn't. It took, I would say, probably two thirds that time, and it was already full. So it it does charge quickly, but I mean, to what end, right? Yeah. So this is a real, this is a big, it's a, it's a weird thing to talk about because I would never have expected the new Praetus Prime to be this kind of disappointing, especially in light of how successful and how promising the RAV4 Prime is and, and how much, you know, credit that has been getting over the past year or so. I, I, it's interesting to me because Toyota held out for so long Mm-hmm. not building a plug-in hybrid version of this vehicle. And now we know why. I think they realized <laughs> that they weren't able to give it the battery range that, uh, like the size of the battery that they would have wanted to. It's kind of a compromised vehicle as a result. And it's just not as good as the regular Prius. So I get it now. I mean, also Toyota, not super into EVs. They've always been all about their whole uh, hydrogen stuff. And they kind of came... Last week they announced that... I can't even remember what it's called. BZ4X? What is it called? Yeah, that's, but they've come, they've come late to electrification is what I'm saying. Like they were a very early adopter of hybrids. But for pure EVs, I mean they had the early RAV4 EV pilot project in the 90s. And then I believe that was it for a very long time. Maybe 20 years if not more. They um, brought a RAV4 hybrid again. Uh, a RAV4 EV again for very small markets. When, um, when was that? In the 2010s or something. Really? I didn't know about that. But uh, in any case, I mean, you know, it's really Nissan that led the way with the Leaf for affordable EVs. For 20, any... 2014. We're, well, 2014 is 10 years after. The... 2012 and 2014. That's 10 years after the original, or 20 years after the original RAV4 EV. Yeah. So that's what I said. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. You, you it's... said 90s, and then I thought you meant, like, there was a second generation. That's all I'm saying. Um, in any case, have you ever seen one? No, of course and not. They, don't, they, didn't, they didn't show up here, especially. And they probably aren't st- supported by the mothership at any point. No way. Um, so that's kind of my impression of the car. I mean, for the Prius, you know what you're getting. It's, it's, there's no surprise. But not uh, this time. I, I, maybe winter tires had something to do with it, too, because they're not low How rolling does... resistance. But it, it's still 50%. But winter tires, I mean, yeah, that winter tires would definitely dump the range. But it wouldn't turn on the, it wouldn't turn on the motor, would it? Like... No, no, no. But what I'm I'm just saying that like it's all these factors together. It's not a cold weather friendly vehicle. So if you live somewhere warm, and uh, you I... can probably get that 25 miles. And uh, I know that the Prius Prime doesn't usually meet the 55 mile per gallon city rating in real world testing either. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of an issue that it has. But uh, I would just stick with a regular Prius. Don't pay more for the Prime. And if you're gonna pay more for the Prime, pick up the Rav4, which is more useful in pretty much every way. The other question I had is the in, the inter, the interior of the of the Prius kind of like irks me a little bit because I remember when I tested it way back when it had a really like plastic interior that was really uncomfortable like really ugly and and 
it just bothered me a lot. Like it didn't feel premium or high end or high tech or anything. Well, it's not a super. It's definitely not a high end vehicle. Uh, price wise, the model I drove, I believe, was a limited. And I'm trying to find the price here. It's thirty five thousand, and they start at twenty nine. So you're not going to get a ton of car for that money. It's a weird mix of futuristic giant center screen that all EVs feel they have to have now, combined with Toyota's old school LCD clock, which is still. Uh, they, they, so if you've never driven a Prius, it doesn't have a gauge cluster for the driver. It has a center gauge cluster. And in front of you, there's like really nothing for the driver. And that center cluster, it's like there's a, a little hooded binnacle. It's not yeah. little. It's fairly wide. And in that binnacle, there's all these little warning lights and, and ta- uh, you know, your speed uh, is there, the charging state and all that. And nestled in among the warning lights is that same LCD clock that you'd find in the Corolla like 10 years ago or even 20 years ago. Just sitting there still in stark contrast to the modernity of everything else in the car. I found that hilarious and sad at the same time. Oh. <laughs> um, and then, you know, like driving manners. There, you don't buy, I know you don't buy a RAV4 for these driving manners, but now there, there's competition in the space. Um, buyers can get a, um, what is the name of the Honda? Insight. I, is there an Insight or Clarity? Sorry, Clarity Hybrid. Clarity, yeah. Or they can get a Hyundai Ionic. Well, there's lots um, of plug-in hybrids out there. Yes, at this, yeah, that that take right aim, aim right at this where this Prius Prime sits for sure. And and even you know the the, the Prius Hybrid, um, mm-hmm. it the pre sorry not the Prius Hybrid the the Ionic Hybrid that you mentioned I think it has like 29 miles of, of range so it like kind of pushes past the Toyota. And as I mentioned, I haven't had the same kind of problems with Hyundai products in the past with their batteries in the cold. Yeah, especially in the cold, I've had pretty good luck with um, Hyundai um, EVs. So yeah. it's it's so curious that Toyota can drop the ball on this. And I don't know, like this this car is kind of like this generation Prius has been out for a little while. Um, this Prime seems to be kind of like the last go. And then what is there going to be? I guess there's going to be a new generation one. It's just interesting to see what they're going to do next and whether or not they can get back on top of this hybrid um, landscape if that's what they're interested in. Yeah. And I would say they, they should be. That's kind of like their brand. Right? Well, I don't know. You know, it's it's weird because if everything's going electric, then this is the same. We were just talking about Volvo, which is a company that had based its entire personality and image around safety. And then the whole world caught up on safety and it had to do something else, which was transition into a, a luxury kind of, of brand. Yeah. So the Prius has always kind of based its entire brand on being a hybrid. And if we're moving towards a world where everything is electrified or increasingly electrified, then that becomes meaningless. You need mm-hmm. to be able to sell yourself on being the best hybrid, not just a hybrid. And you can't rest on your laurels. So they're going to have to fundamentally rethink the plug-in version of the car. And I think in the future, kind of decide whether they want to continue with the Prius or if they just want to fold that into a more mainstream model. Yeah. That's a tough go, man. That's that's weird. Why do we have two cars that we didn't like? I guess that happens, but... Why do, why do we have two cars that we didn't like? Because they were built, Sammy. <laughs> and they, <laughs> why did we, and we were asked that? to drive them, and that's what was happening. Uh, and it just, yeah, it happens sometimes. But you know what, Sammy? Next week... I have something that's going to break that trend. Are you ready for that? Yeah, let me hear. I'm going to be driving the Hyundai Santa Cruz, the little pickup that's not a pickup but is a pickup. And I've already driven it a little bit, and I can tell you that it's going to be a very different podcast from today. I'm looking forward to it because you need to spend more time in it before you come up with like a reasonable 
um, take on it, I think. But I like that you're early, early on you're, enthusiast, uh, you're enthusiastic about it. Um, let's tell people where they can find our podcast. What do you think? Is that a good time? I, 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 need right you to, time? I need you to tell me what you're going to be driving because I feel like you're keeping it a secret. Well, it's not that big of a secret. I'm just I don't want to I don't want to foreshadow whether or not I'm going to like it or not. <laughs> um, I'm driving the 2022 Mercedes Benz GLE Coupe. Okay, all right. Yes. So it's going to be so, a balanced show. <laughs> yes, I'm not sure how much I'm going to like or dislike it. So uh, I'm I'm waiting on that. Uh, so if you want to hear past episodes where we talk more effusively about vehicles we're more into, you can do that at www.unidentified. Whoa, unidentified? What's unidentified? going on? Unidentified? Unnamed? Oh, no. Is there un- other podcasts that we're working yeah, on? Yeah, the other podcasts that we can't talk about yet. No, you can go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. All of our 252 episodes are there. You can also go to your favorite podcatcher. We are everywhere. Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Google, um, stuff I probably don't even know about. Yeah, how are we on Amazon? I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, so look us up. hook up with with Bezos? Of course, of course. We were up on that rocket with William Shatner. He was rocking out to Unnamed Automotive Podcast. (laughs) For the whole trip. He was like, like, guys, did I miss it? Wilderness and performance sound pleasure thing. Did I miss the orbit? (laughs) Yes, you did, Mr. Shatner. But you you can find us there. If you do listen to us on a podcatcher like that, please leave us a rating or make a comment. Either way, it helps kind of boost us and get us in front of a wider audience. And we would appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, unnamed automotive podcast.com. Uh, we mentioned you can, you can, you can see all the old episodes, but you'd also get in touch with us through unnamed automotive podcast.com. There's a contact form. You fill that out. Um, and that, that comment that you leave lands right in our inbox, or you can reach out to us through email, the usual, um, it's Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Why are you phrasing it? it like a question? I think that's it. I <laughs> yes. forget it. Why do I for 252 episodes later and I have no idea what our email address is? He legitimately sends me eight emails a day, too. <laughs> and then uh, you can reach out to us on social media. I'm on Twitter at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. And you can find Ben on Instagram. He's at HuntingBenjamin. And finally, if you liked what you listened to today um, about us griping about two new cars you can tip us on ko-fi that's ko-fi.com ko-fi yeah ko-fi ko-fi.com slash unnamed automotive podcast so thank you everyone for listening and we hope to have you back next week see ya